us in the chat boxes so that our Digi ministers can engage with you in worship and have prayer with you. Also, please invite others to join you in online worship with us without creating your own watch group so we can all engage together in each platform. And now, it's almost time for worship. When the clock hits zero, our Sunday worship service will begin. And stay tuned afterwards for our upcoming announcements regarding just what's happening with St. Paul. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. We greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we're certainly delighted and elated that you are joining us online. For all of those that are watching us on Facebook, YouTube, or engaging within our live chat room found on our church website, we want to welcome you to St. Paul Online. Our digital ministers and our social media influencers are ready to engage you this morning. So real quick, we want you to do several things. If you're watching us on Facebook, please share. Share your personal timeline without starting a separate watch party. We want to make sure we stay in the same chat stream. You can also tag those who you want to invite within the posts. If you're on YouTube, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and then text this link to, of the worship service throughout your personal network. And if you are in the chat room on our church website, click on the invite button in your chat room and share this experience with others. We are delighted that you have decided to join us on our YouTube page. We would love to get our subscription up to at least 1,000. We're over 800 subscribers right now. So please, ma'am, please, sir, you are right now digital evangelist, and you can share our worship service with a lot of your family and friends as far as that's concerned. Well, guess what? We're getting ready to start worship, and I'm going to ask that uh, Reverend Ben Pate, he's going to come. He's going to lead us as far as our worship experience. So do me a favor, wherever you are right now, if you would put your hands together, give God the praise that God so richly and rightfully deserve, because this is the day that the Lord has made. Come on, everybody, put the... of us may have had a challenging week but today we made it to worship so let's give god the praise that he deserves psalms 34 1 says i will bless the lord at all times and his praise shall continuously be in my mouth so do you have a praise in your mouth this morning come worship with us as we celebrate our pastor and his fourth pastoral anniversary we thank god for him and also come with us and sing our congregational hymn blessed assurance
blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Our scripture reading this morning will be found in Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 1 through 8. It should be provided on your screen as well. And it reads, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel against the shepherds who feed my people. You have scattered my flock, divided them away, and not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you and the evil of your doings, says the Lord. But I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries where I have out of all countries where I have driven them and bring them back to the folds and they shall be fruitful and increase. I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them and they shall fear no more nor be dismayed nor shall they be, be lacking, says the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now, this is his name by, by, he, we, by he will be called the Lord our righteousness. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that they shall no longer say, as the Lord lives who bought up the children of Israel from the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives who bought up and led the descendants of the house of Israel from the north country and from the countries where I have driven them, and they shall dwell in their own land. The word of God for the people of God. Let us go to God in prayer. God, our Father, God, our protector, God, our provider, God, our everything, we give you glory and honor this morning. God, the world is so twisted right now, but your hand is still strong and steady. God, we ask you that you continue to move as we participate in this worship service. Help our minds to be free of distraction so that we may focus on worship and give you all the glory and all the honor that you deserve. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let praises 
Dear Heavenly Father, God, what a, what a beautiful, wonderful, amazing feeling it is to be overwhelmed by you this morning, God. I ask, Lord, that you be glorified, that you be lifted up in this beautiful place this morning, God. Let our praises ring out to you as we adore you, God, for who you are, for being the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the master of masters. God, Lord, we adore you this morning, Lord. I pray that the words of my mouth will be pleasing in your sight and that this message, God, would go out amongst us to our kids and the kids at heart. We love you, God, and in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Wow. Amen. Thank you, Praise Band and, and Scott for just, wow, lifting up our God. Can we, can we give him a round of applause this morning for who he is? Wow. He is good. He is good. He is good. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. My name is Reverend Peyton C. I'm the children and youth pastor here at St. Paul. Um, it is good to see um, everyone here on the screens this morning with me right here. Um, I know I see Lady Pierre and Miss Cheris too. I, I look, what's up, girl? Good to see you. Good to see you. Good to see everyone. Wonderful to be in the Lord's house uh, this morning. I'd like to welcome you all today uh, to uh, um, our Impact Moment, our Impact Kids Moment, which is designed for me to speak uh, specifically to the kids and the kids at heart. I don't want to leave them out either. Uh, before I begin um, our message today, I want to remind all our, all our children and youth that Sunday school classes, our Sunday morning live, will take place at 4 p.m. today, and I definitely look forward to seeing you all there. I will be on myself. Uh, this is the last week, guys, of our series on identity called I Belong to God. Now, last week, we got to talk, if you remember, about being a child of God and what that means for us to be a part of God's family. Now, this morning's message is going to be titled, Created for a Purpose. Created for a Purpose. Our memory verse today, you might remember from the very first week in our series, it's from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, and I'll be reading from the New International Version this morning, which says this, For we are God's handiwork, or masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And then lastly, our bottom line for today, the main truth I want us to take away from today is this. God has big plans for you and me. God has big plans for you and me. Halloween is coming up, y'all. Halloween is coming up. And sadly, I know many of us, many of you won't be able to go out and go trick-or-treating like you usually do this time of year because of COVID and everything going on right now. But I hope many of you will still get to dress up and eat as much candy as you want with your parent or guardian permission. As um, I'd just like to go ahead and make sure I don't get in trouble there. But you guys, man, it's so much fun to dress up, isn't it? Um, I used to love dressing up when I was little. I hope you guys will get to do that still this year. Um, I specifically remember when I was in elementary school, um, I really wanted to dress up like my favorite football player, Peyton Manning, uh, who actually is my namesake too. So my mom, she ordered me a youth-size Colts football jersey with football pants, small cleats, pads, and to top it all off, a pretend Indianapolis Colts football helmet. Now, this football helmet was probably my favorite part of the costume. And now I say that because I love to wear cool masks or helmets because it really just like makes it come to life. It really feels like the costume is almost real. And now I say almost real because the helmet was just a part of the costume. Um, sadly, I could not play football in it. In fact, on the inside of the helmet, it had this warning. It went something like this. 
it said, warning, this helmet is created for costume use only. This product is not to be used as a real football helmet. Now, when I put on that helmet, I felt like a football player. You couldn't tell me otherwise. But the helmet I was wearing wasn't a real football helmet. If I tried to tackle someone with it or if someone tried to tackle me while I was wearing it, it wouldn't do a good job of protecting me. <laughs> that wasn't its intended purpose. And now purpose, I say that word purpose. Do you guys know what the word purpose means? If you don't, let me tell you this morning, a purpose is the reason why something is done or why something is created or even why something or someone exists. The reason my Halloween football helmet was created was so, is that it, was so it, could be, um, it could be worn as a part of a football costume. It wasn't made for me to play football in. That just wasn't its specific purpose. And in a similar way, guys, I feel like God has created us for a specific purpose. There are things he has created us to do, and there are things that he has not created us to do. Each one of us has a plan that he has made for our lives, and that plan for our lives is a part of his greater plan for the world. Again, our bottom line, God has plans for you and for me. In our verse for today, we are told that God has good works for us to do. We're told about this plan. Again, Ephesians 2, chapter 10 says this. Chapter 2, verse 10 says this. For we are God's handiwork or masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has, has prepared in advance for us to do. Now, guys, Paul here is reminding us that we are God's handiwork, or as you know, my favorite word, masterpiece. We are his masterpieces. And each masterpiece is made with a specific purpose in mind. When God created us, he created us with the hope and the desire that each one of us would come to know his son Jesus as our Lord and Savior. In our relationships with God, we discover that God has made us for these reasons, each one of them confirming our identity as a child of God, and here they are this morning. Number one, we were made to, to love and to be loved by God. Two, we were made to share that love with other people. And three, we were made to become more and more like Jesus in the way that we live our lives. Now, the first reason is one that we have already talked about in our series because it's so important. We can't love other people with the, with the love of God until we have come to know that love ourselves. We, we, God has shown us that specifically through relationship with us through Jesus Christ. That is why God sent Jesus to show us how much he loves us. Guys, I believe God's greatest desire is for us to know him and to know him fully. He wants us to feel his love and to know that we are special, that we are the apple in his eye. Then once we know that we are loved by God, man, we're meant to share that love with other people. We're not meant to keep that love to ourselves. God's love is so great and so powerful that when we experience it, man, we want other people to experience it too, right? We want other people to get excited about his love like we do. Many of you have probably seen God's love shared in a number of different ways around you and in your life, and so have I. In fact, I've seen it in my mom. She works on a farm where she loves on groups of kids that come from schools and from daycares to take a tour of the farm, and she loves showing them love as she shows them around. My dad volunteers for the National Park Service, and while he does different things like cutting grass or fixing up uh, different monuments and things, he does service for other people in his volunteer work. 
My sister is studying to be an elementary school teacher and I believe that she can show the love of Jesus by the way that she teaches and by how she cares for each of her students. And then guys, I believe that God had a plan for me to become your youth pastor. I believe that God had a plan for me to come here to St. Paul and it is my goal and my mission and I believe my purpose to love each and every one of you and to challenge you to love your friends and your family that don't know Jesus while I myself try to do the same. Lastly, guys, I wanna tell you this, we were made to become more and more like Jesus. That is the last part of this purpose. God has created you and me to do some awesome things, but let me tell you this, the job that you end up working, the school that you end up going to, any of the things you end up doing in life are all a part of a bigger picture. God is trying to make you more and more like him. He's trying to make you more and more like his son, Jesus. God doesn't want us to just sit around and, and be lazy and watch life go by. He doesn't want us to live our lives apart from him. No, instead, God wants us to spend time with him like Jesus did. He wants us to serve and to love others like Jesus did. He doesn't want, he wants us to, he wants us to give up what we want in order to follow him so that we can experience all of the love and all of the joy possible by following God just like Jesus did. God has big plans for you and me. I believe that this morning and I hope you do too. Will you join me in prayer? Dear Lord, I come before you this morning as we close our impact moment and I want, I want to say thank you, God. We want to say thank you this morning for creating us with a purpose. Help us to live our lives for you, Lord, knowing that we are loved and knowing that we are meant to love other people. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, guys. I love you all. Greetings, everyone. I want to thank you for all you are doing in these uncertain times to build community through faith and shared strength, to fight for equity, opportunity, and justice. In the book of Isaiah, we are told, if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noon day. No one knows this better than our communities of faith who are serving our brothers and sisters in need. And to me, this is what faith truly looks like. From the time I was a little girl singing in the church choir with my sister Maya, I have always believed in a loving God, a God who calls us to help the hungry and the oppressed. That is where I learned that faith is a verb. It lies in our actions, and that means using our voices to help usher in the noon day after this dark night. We must vote, and we must vote early. And you can verify your registration and find your polling location at IWillVote.com. So please make a plan to vote by writing out when, where, and how you will get it done, whether by mail, by Dropbox, or safely in person. And please remind everyone you know to do the same. Together, we can restore the soul of our nation. God bless you. And God bless the United States. Amen. Thank you, Senator Kamala Harris. We greatly appreciate that encouragement to head to the polls and vote. And of course, 
Today is uh, Sunday, and it is the last Sunday of Souls to the Poles. So I want to encourage those that are watching us right now. We are engaging in early voting here in the state of North Carolina, in South Carolina. They have a different way of doing it, but we want you to cast your vote early. So do us a favor. Do us a favor today, after this service, if you have not voted, go to our website. Find out the place that is closest to you, and we want to engage in an onslaught of souls to the polls. Get our votes in early. Let me say that again. Get our votes in early. I see our virtual congregation as well as those that are watching us on Facebook Live as well as YouTube. And I want to do me, do me a favor. If you have already voted, if you would, just hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. Amen. Amen. Look like everybody as far as our virtual congregation has already voted from what I see on the screen. And my prayer is, is that if you have not, if you have not, please, ma'am, please, sir, make your way to the polls. Uh, there are over 30 sites, particularly throughout the Mecklenburg County area, where you can go and cast your vote. So we want you to vote early. We want you to vote early. And as a matter of fact, take another registered voter with you to go vote. Big Mama, take your grandkids and tell them that if they don't go vote early, you ain't cooking no more Sunday dinners for them. Amen. Amen. Go vote early. Go vote early. Amen. Amen. Um, I want to also thank um, the wonderful disciples here at St. Paul, as well as our friends who have joined us. We served over 245 families this past week. And again, to uh, our food pantry ministry and Sister Felicia Knowles under her leadership, you all are doing an incredible work. That's something I don't take for granted. Amen. And speaking of not taking something for granted, St. Paul, I want to thank you all for four years of doing life with you. Amen. 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 For Pierre, Cheris, and, and I, it has been just an incredible joy to be with you all, to serve you all, and to provide the servant leadership that God so desire. I follow in a great, great line of pastors who have served this church with great diligence, faithfulness, and tenacity. And particularly my two pastor emeritus, uh, Dr. Gregory Keith Moss and Dr. Paul Drummond. Uh, I am so indebted particularly to them for their insight as well as their words of encouragement uh, that has sustained me over these four years. I am so indebted to many of you who have prayed for me and my family. I am indebted to an incredible staff, an incredible staff uh, that has been my Aaron and my her that have held up my arms as far as sustaining me as we provide leadership, particularly in these pandemic times. I am so appreciative of the wonderful Deacon's Family Ministry that have been our arms and our fingers reaching out to the congregation and providing care and sustenance as we navigate through these turbulent times. And I am so appreciative to our board of directors for setting, of course, policy and uh, giving insight 
as we prepare to lead the church physically, legally, and financially as far as the work of ministry here at the St. Paul Church. I thank you all for all that you have done over these four years, and the Lord has allowed for us to accomplish a lot of great things, and we still have a lot of great things to do. So I ask that you all would do me a favor. Pray for me, Pierre, and Charis. Pray for our leaders. Pray for our staff. And pray for one another because the best is really yet to come. I really believe the best is yet to come. Even in the midst of a pandemic, the best is yet to come. How many of y'all really believe that? How many of y'all really believe that? If so, if you would, give God praise. I want to say before I get ready to transition us to, to prayer, um, that being here these four years um, and being a pastor for nearly 30 years at now my fourth church, um, I would say that being a pastor is one of the toughest jobs in the world. It really is. And there's sometimes I have to make decisions as pastor that some folks may not like, may not agree with you know, may snub their nose at. Um, one of the things that someone has taught me about being a pastor is, is that you got to have a heart of compassion and you got to have the hide of a rhinoceros. And there is some truth to that because some folks just don't get why we as pastors have to do the things that we do. And of course, I know that one of the things that many of us wish we could do is come back into the sanctuary full force, Full-blown. As a matter of fact, I was on my way to um, Columbia to be with Dr. Redmond for the family hour as they celebrate the life of her father. And I stepped out of gas station in Rock Hill, and one of our disciples was getting gas. And he said, hey, Pastor Scott. I said, hey. He said, I can't wait till we go back to the sanctuary. I miss being in the sanctuary. I said, I do too, but it won't be anytime soon. And here is why. We're living in a time where the numbers are going up. The numbers are going up all over the country. The numbers are going up. COVID will not let us be great. And all folks really got to do is wear a mask and we can cut this thing down in about two to three months. But there are many people who have politicized wearing a mask. And so we can't come back into the sanctuary like I would love for us to even at a limited capacity. We all are keenly aware, if you're in Charlotte, what has happened with our brothers and sisters at the United House of Prayer, when a few weeks ago, they had a convocation where over 1,000 people from about four or five states came and engaged in worship at the United House of Prayer on Betis Ford Road in a COVID outbreak has taken place. It became a super spreader where there are over 120 people who have tested positive for COVID-19 and at least three deaths right now. And it's hard for them to do the contact tracing to the point where the health department had to shut down all the United Houses of Prayer here in the Charlotte area. I don't want St. Paul to be like that. I don't want St. Paul to be in the news where we become a super spreader. So I've had to make some decisions. And I know that some of you all have been pressing my leaders to press me about going in, but my leaders know how I am 
and my leaders have my spirit, but more importantly, my leaders have my back. And so I ask that you all continue to pray for us, work with us, join us online, share online or with your connections what we're doing here. The work of the ministry continues to go forward. Somebody has even come to me and said, well, why can't we have people to come and park their cars and do a parking praise? Real easy. We're in the middle of a neighborhood. And if we were to have a park and praise, first of all, to get all the equipment out there is very expensive. Secondly, if we did a park and praise, and I'm talking loud and y'all blowing horns, we would be violating noise ordinances. And then the uh, sheriff from Neckenburg County would be taking me into jail. I ain't going to jail for y'all. Amen. No, not that. And, and so in all seriousness, we were violated and we would not be good neighbors as far as our neighborhood is concerned. So it does not benefit us to try to do park and praise as some other churches are doing because number one, they have larger parking lots and number two, some of them are somewhat secluded. And I'm keenly aware some of you all have been going to some of those places to engage in that and I'm not gonna disparage you as far as that's concerned, but I'm letting you know why we at St. Paul aren't able to do that by virtue of the fact that number one, we would not be good neighbors based upon the apartment complexes that we have built to provide housing for our brothers and sisters. And, and number two, it's not feasible for a congregation of our size. So I ask that you all continue. Pray for us, work with us, check us out online on all our various platforms. Join us, share what the Lord is doing here at St. Paul Church, the work of ministry continues to go on, even though the sanctuary is closed as far as the public is concerned, we're continuing to do the work of ministry. So I ask that you all will continue to pray for us, pray with us, that the Lord will continue to use this church to do wonderful and great things as far as the kingdom is concerned. With that, I want to now transition as we prepare to go to the Lord in prayer. And I want us to lift up the family of Brother Raymond Barnett. He is the brother of our disciples, H.L. Barnett and C.W. Barnett. His services will be this Monday um, with the quiet hour at 11 and the homegoing service starting at 1 at the Pleasant Grove AME Zion Church in Concord, North Carolina. The family of Brother Disciple Randy Fair, um, his arrangements are pending. We don't have that information yet. The family of Brother Fred E. Southern, the brother of Sister Lucy Southern, uh, his arrangements are pending as well. We also want to continue to lift up our executive minister, uh, Dr. Monica Redmond, and the loss of her father, who was funeralized on Friday, and her uncle that was funeralized on yesterday. She lost both her father and her uncle on the same day. So we want to lift up her mother, who lost a husband and a brother, and that family. We also want to lift up the family of Brother Joe Lenny, the family of Brother Arthur Funches, the family of Annie Audrey, and the family of Brother Terry Green. We also want to lift up many of our disciples who are sick and shut in. Those that have been added to the list, Gloria Cole and R.D. Clybourne. We also want to continue to lift up Dr. Monica Redmond in her uh, recuperation, as well as our Pastor Emeritus, uh, Dr. Paul Drummond and his wife, Sister Thomasina. 
Um, so as we prepare to go to the poll, I mean, not to the polls, as we prepare to go vote, <laughs> got voting on the brain, as we prepare to go and engage in prayer, we ask that whatever prayer concerns you may have right now, if you would lift those unto the Lord and place them in the hands of God. Let us pray. God, we have heard the names that have been called of the families that are dealing, that are working through grief right now and uncertain life cha challenges. God, we ask you that you be with them. God, we ask you that you hold them. God, we ask you that you help them transition, God, through this moment in time. God, we just pray that you just continue to be present in our lives, God, and allow us to feel your presence, God, when we're going through our transitions of trouble. Lord God, for the prayer requests that are being raised today, God, God, we ask you that you just step into the situation and make changes, God, because we know that you are a God that can do all things. God, we believe that you are going to make things better. We know that you're going to help us through. And God, when we cannot even trace you, God, we know that your word is true, that you will never leave us, nor you will forsake us, God. So because, God, you are so great, because you are so awesome, God, because you are so loving, because you are so kind, God, thank you for knowing our names, God. Thank you for knowing us individually. And thank you, God, for taking time to check on us. So, God, as we continue to give you praise and honor, God, we give you the glory and we count it as done. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you believe your prayer is being answered, can you give God praise right now? Oh, come on, come on. I see you, virtual congregation. Come on, let's celebrate our God. Let's give God praise. Pastor Scott, on behalf of the disciples of this great church, we would like to, we would like to thank you for your leadership you have provided over the last four years. Your gift through teaching and preaching have empowered us to become better Christians. And the administrative skills you possess have taken us to a higher level. Therefore, to show our love to you and your family, I would like to present this box from the disciples of the church. We love you, and may God continue to bless <laughs> the church and your leadership now and years to come. Amen. Thank you so much. Wow, wow, thank you. I'm going to put this on the pulpit. I hope y'all don't mind. Uh, thank you all so very much, and to the wonderful people, um, the wonderful disciples of, of St. Paul. I know for somebody this seems sacrilegious, but right now I'm going to enjoy the balloons. Amen, amen. Thank you all so very, very much. Thank you, Jerry. Uh, thank you, Ken. Thank you, Lisa, for all that you all do as far as our finance committee. And again, thank you all to the wonderful disciples of, of St. Paul. I love you all in, in a tremendous way. And I am so glad, personally, to be doing life with you. So thank you again so very, very much. Well, guess what? It's time for us to give. And one of the things I love to do is I love to make a deposit into the work and the ministry here at the St. Paul Church. I love to give. 
And so we're getting ready to give at this particular time. And as we prepare to give, there are several ways you can do that. First way is you can either send your check or money order to the church at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28205. Or if you want to drop off your envelope with your money order or a check or even drop off cash, call the church at 704-334-5309 to make sure that someone is in the office to receive your offering. When you drop your offering off, we will place it in the safe. And then we would take it out of the safe on Sunday morning to make sure it is counted as well as have those checks or money orders deposited. The second way you can do this is by going to our website and through Vimeo, you can give as far as our church website is concerned. The third way you can give is by uh, going to the app called Givelify and search for St. Paul Baptist Church, Charlotte, North Carolina. Connect to your favorite credit card and you can give in that manner. So guess what? We're getting ready to give. We're getting ready to give. So I want you to do me a favor. If you would, take your offering, place it in your right hand. We want to give God what's right and not what's left. Amen. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come, and before we ask you for anything, we want to say thank you. Thank you, God, for the wonderful ability to be a blessing and to partner with you as far as giving is concerned. God, we pray right now that you will bless the generosity of this great and giving church. God, we pray right now for those who have lost their jobs, who have been furloughed, who have been laid off, that God, we understand if they're not able to give the way they want to. We're not expecting them to, but God, if they give out of their moment of lack, bless them in a powerful way. God, bless those of us who are practicing the discipline of giving tithes and offerings. God bless those who are giving something. And then God, for those who feel like they ain't got to do anything, continue to tenderize their hearts until they come in line with your will. Take these gifts of ours, oh God, and we pray that you will multiply them in a Godful way. It's in the name of your son, Jesus to Christ, we pray, and in his name we claim it done. Amen. Amen. Well, it is preaching time. It is preaching time. And I am so delighted to present our preacher for this morning. He is one of my favorite preachers. He's one that I highly respect and admire. Uh, he has been here at St. Paul Church to share in our revival services. He is none other than the Reverend Dr. William Houston Curtis, the senior pastor of the Mount Ararat Baptist Church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where the Lord has allowed for him to be their servant leader for the last 23 years. He is the husband of Christine and the father of Houston, and the Lord has allowed for him to shepherd that wonderful ministry at Mount Ararat to having over 10,000 committed members as far as the work is concerned. He believes in doing ministry to the whole community, and under his leadership, they have developed a community tithe where they tithe 10% of their budget back to the community as far as those organizations are concerned. Of course, he is a preacher par excellence. We consider him to be a preacher's preacher who yet has the capacity to preach in such a way 
that even children can understand. And apart from his pastoral ministry, he is the co-owner of Church Online, a successful technological and full-service marketing firm that provides five-star service to ministries all over the world. He is a past president of the Hampton University's Ministers Conference, in fact, the youngest person to serve as president. He is a member of what I consider to be the greatest fraternity of all, the Omega Psi Phi fraternity, part of the Boule, as well as the Masonic Order. He is a well-known author, recipient of numerous awards, and of course, he holds his BA uh, in Religious Studies and Philosophy from Morgan State University in Baltimore, a MDF from Howard University Divinity School, and a Doctor of Ministry degree from United Theological Seminary. So after our singing ensemble, our adult ensemble, blesses us with song, the next voice you will hear will be that of my friend and my brother beloved, the Reverend Dr. William Houston Curtis, pastor of the Mount Ararat Baptist Church.
again. to my brother, Reverend Dr. Robert Charles Scott, and to the saints who make up the congregation of the great St. Paul Church. It has been a wonderful privilege to share each year in revival with you. It's one of the signal honors of my life and one of the most blessed and impactful revivals that I'm blessed to do across the length and breadth of the country. And I want to thank your pastor for allowing me to connect with you virtually. And I pray and trust that the word of God will penetrate your hearts and be a rich source of blessing in your life. Again, to my friend, Dr. Scott, thank you for allowing me to share the word of God with your congregation. I want you to grab your Bible and listen to Luke chapter 5, verse 36. Luke chapter 5, verse 36, this singular verse will constitute the framework for our sermonic time together this weekend. And it reads like this. Then he spoke a parable to them. No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear. And also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. And I simply, from the text, want to preach this weekend from the subject between old and new. You may be seated even in the presence of the Lord. Well, it was obvious in his teaching and demonstrated in his selection of those that would become his disciples 
that what people were hearing and what they were seeing was a presentation of the kingdom of God that apparently was different than they had been experiencing. Jesus chose to do little teaching from the synagogue, no intentional partnerships with the institutional custodians, no collaboration with elders, scribes, or teachers of the law, common people who felt themselves pushed to the margins of life and oppressed by government powers at the time. Scripture teaches us that common people were hearing Jesus gladly. They were being blessed by his miracles and it was drawing swelling crowds. And at the same time, it was loosing salacious criticisms. It was without a doubt critiquing dominant culture and providing a different view of an eternal God. The lines were becoming sharper and the gap ever widening, which we know eventuated in the plot that carried Jesus through courts and to the cross. Jesus expresses his view of this tension and offers his insight as to how it ought to be thought of and stewarded by those that pitch their spiritual tents with him. He chose to communicate these deep ambiguities by sharing parables that open windows of deep spiritual understanding. But they also dropped people into hard to figure out ethical challenges. And this is what happens when life ushers us to places of necessary transition. Whether because of age, experience, or spiritual considerations, it's hard when life demands that things as we know them have to change. When comfort and convenience is disturbed by the invite to that which is different and uncomfortable. But this, brothers and sisters, is spiritual growth. No matter how much we may want to, we can't stay in the same thinking spaces forever. We are made to live restless when places beneath our growth potential are restricting us from seeing the possibilities that the Lord yet has in store for us. It's uncomfortable to stand in a season when what we knew has been dismantled and doesn't look like it will return in the same form or practice, not to mention the fear of the new, the unknown, and the novel. And this reality I describe happens sporadically and consistently throughout our lives, doesn't it? If we're learning nothing else, racing towards this next election, we're learning that old ways of thinking about voting and presidential politics are morphing into something that is so radically different that there is no response to the incredulity of the high office in our land. Taxes and nominations to sit on the high court, the twisting of truth and the arrogance of sick motives all have us as a country in shock as to how we got here and where do we go from here. When adjudication can deal with everything but the actual crime committed, as in the case of a Breonna Taylor, and the crazy angles that grant people impunity, it's challenging everything we thought about democracy and diversity and human fairness and respect 
for human life. And it's all a signal that things for us will never be the same again. We go through this in our personal lives as we grow and age and mature and experience things in life. When we have to deal with human weaknesses and relationship stresses and inner uncertainties and mental ambiguities, we learn things about people that shock us. We learn things about people that disappoint us and then we're shocked sometimes at our own thinking. We're surprised at our own behavior, surprised at our own emotions until we wonder, how can I manage life from here? I don't want to bury everything from yesterday, and I'm as equally afraid about tomorrow's new. I'm afraid about tomorrow's new as I am about losing yesterday's old. And into these conundrums, Jesus inserts this parable. No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear, and also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. Now, if the garment Jesus refers to is the way Israel thought about the kingdom and thought about God, and if the patch or piece represents the traditions and practices, the insiders and outsiders, the worship and sacrifices, the inclusion of some and the exclusion of others, if these are our bridges of hermeneutic, then Jesus is clear. The ministry he brings cannot be sewn to the garment of religion as they knew it because it won't match the old ways of doing faith. It will not match the old ways of practicing spirituality. Here's his message. His garment cannot have pieces cut out and then sewn on to the old thread weak garment that ignored love for all humanity where the law and its interpretation superseded a want for a simple, intimate relationship with God. His garment won't work if sewn on to the garment of religious exclusion and marginalization. His new garment casts a wider net, and it includes whosoever will. Stands with and on the side of the oppressed and the marginalized. His garment cares about the hungry. His garment cares about the homeless. His garment has concern about the incarcerated and the immigrant. His garment champions forgiveness and his garment believes in human restoration. His garment warms with grace and blankets with mercy and trying to tear pieces of this and sewing them to the garment that existed would tear that garment to pieces when it settles in and shrinks to true size. And should it stay attached at all, it would only make obvious the mismatch at the places where the attempt was made to sew the new onto the old. Yet Jesus was clear that he wasn't suggesting throwing the entire old out either when he said 
He did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. He often quotes the words of the prophets and refers to those God used long prior to his incarnate arrival. Pastor, what is your point? What in your life are the thoughts and emotions that have carried you? The hurts and scars that have shaped your perceptions and scripted your conversations? What have been your aims and ambitions, your judgments about life and people, and what historically framed your reference and shaped your desires? Whatever these old garments have been, Jesus brings the new garment of his eternal vision for your life. The ways he wants to fill you and empower you to expose you and to determine the stage and the scene he wants to insert you into and how different is the role he is asking you to play in life from the script you have been reading from. How loyal are you to the old that it makes the new so uncomfortable for you that you're having difficulty giving up some of the old for the new? How much has that attitude that has brought you this far, how much is the Holy Spirit challenging that in these days as God pushes you towards the life he's asking you to mature into that is literally causing you angst and anxiety because that attitude has been a protective shield for your life for all these days, months, and years until you stand devoted at the altar of its demands and it daily seeks your pleasure of complete devotion how much of what you think about people specific people and people in general that the old you has determined that there is no conversation worth having no next attempt worth making no trust worth offering no positive worth searching for and then here comes Jesus who says forgive again try again Believe again, reach out again, embrace again, love again, and you can't patchwork it because trying to take a piece of what Jesus is doing in your life and sewing it on to the old fabric that has covered your life to date will only expose the fragility of the garment that you've been so loyal to and it will tear it. And then the old garment will be destroyed and the new garment will be pieced beyond effectiveness. So the question is, then what do you do? How do I steward the old me when Jesus starts calling for the new me to emerge? And why can't he just let me manage patchwork so that I can piece together portions of my life and preserve what I want to and determine where I want to attach what he is offering? And here is what Jesus is challenging you to do if spiritual maturation is what you desire. Are you listening to me? You have to accept the tension of managed coexistence. I repeat it again. If in fact your pursuit is spiritual maturation, then you don't just try to live your life doing reckless patchwork. Instead, you have to accept the tension of managed coexistence. You have to take the whole of the new garment and accept the fragile existence of the old at the same time. 
Jesus in the text was not asking for the destruction of the old. He was asking for less loyalty to it so that loyalty could be surrendered to the new. He was challenging the attempt to revive what might only need to be preserved and to protect what doesn't need to be handled. Let me see if I can explain it. I have a favorite pair of golf shoes, but they are extremely old. They were great before golf, show, golf shoe construction consideration was given to the need for that which is waterproof and able to handle rough terrain and comfortable for wear on and off the course. Since the years when these shoes were the standard golf shoes to possess, technology has advanced. Construction has matured. Waterproofing became an important element in design and in function. Now, I purchased more recently designed golf shoes, but I didn't throw away the old pair. I just had to manage them differently given that I have a more thoroughly constructed shoe now. I can only wear those old shoes sparingly. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. I can only wear the old when there's going to be certain golf course conditions on certain courses. That means they are worn less. They're worn very intentionally based upon what I know I'll face when I leave the house. I can't wear them anywhere but the course that is designed for them to be best worn because they weren't designed like that. But these new shoes I have, I can wear them everywhere. And no matter the surface, they are appropriate for it. Here's my point. Everything you've been through is necessary. Everything you've experienced is instructive. Everything you survive is revelatory. It's preserved for the benefit of memory. It shakes you when you're trying to consider something like it because it forces you to not forget what it cost you, how it hurt you, the time it took from you. But your devotion is to less of its pain and expense and hurt and shame. And instead, it is used only as frequent as the need you have to be reminded of the grace of your God and the power that God has implored in your life to restore you and to turn life around. Here's my point. You don't keep giving loyalty to the pain, trying to patchwork what Jesus is doing in your life. Instead, you never forget the pain so that it reminds you that the only reason I survived the pain is because God's grace is still amazing you don't discard it but you don't live as devoted to it why because Jesus has introduced you to a new garment and it shows up in the world as a transformed mind as a renewed heart as a more mature spiritual discernment this is how the same triggers can attempt to pull you back, but your response now is different because the new garment makes you appreciate the old, but not to the degree that you stay loyal to it. Are y'all listening to me?
You don't lose any of your old self as you grow in faith. You perceive it differently. You manage it differently. You emote it differently. And you spiritually respond to it differently. Now, don't miss what Jesus is saying. Trying to cut pieces of the new and sewing them onto the old puts both in jeopardy. Trying to take a new awareness and sewing it onto old thought processes and judgments will tear the old and make the new non-useful. If you're going to accept what the Lord is doing in your life right now, then let it give you an appreciation for who you have been, but not a want to keep living loyal to who you have been. And if you're going to grab the healing of his presence that he has brought, by grace to your life then let it make you appreciate how fragile your life was before the Lord inserted his healing are y'all listening to me let it remind you that if it had not been but for the grace of God the things that used to hit my life the way they hit my life had me so fragile that I wondered if I could maintain my spiritual sensibility but since the Lord introduced me to a mind transformation that I could then go around and confess that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world I don't act like I did not go through what I've been through I just don't live as loyal to what I've been through. Instead, when I look at what I've been through, I look at it through the lenses of grace and mercy. And instead of it causing me to be angry or bitter, it causes me to be praiseworthy and full of worship. Do I have any company in this room? Here's the lesson. Delicately handle the old and control the integration of the new to find a way to hold them in tension in pursuit of a healthy life. This is what Jesus did when he walked into the temple and saw the activity of money changers. He doesn't destroy the temple. He chases out the cheaters and declares that the new garment he brings to it is not to be sewn over these thread-worn areas, but the new garment he brings covers the whole house. And how does it cover it? In prayer and in fasting. I wish I had a prayer in church here. Here's the good news today. You can't forget the old hurt, but you can live without it being your dominant wear. You can't change your past mistakes, but you don't have to live tomorrow like it's your dominant wear. You can't erase the pain, but you don't have to wear the old garment everywhere you go. Accept the new garment of his healing and blessing and hold it in tension with what you can't forget and let it inspire your wise choices and your spiritual decisions from here on out. Let it remind you of why your worship is so critically important and why it's so deeply passionate. It's not always about discarding. It's about managing and stewarding. Your spirituality allows you to hold things in tension where without the Holy Spirit, you couldn't hold half of your life together. Your spirituality helps you to carry weight, manage pressure, 
Chase the vision despite the pull on your life. I feel like saying that again. Your spirituality helps you to carry weight and manage pressure and chase the vision despite the pull on your life. God may not alleviate the pressure. He may not lessen the weight. He may not get rid of some of the chaos, but you don't have to respond to it the way you used to. You can sit there seated and clothed and in your right mind. He may not let the enemy be more distant, but he can make sure that the enemy doesn't and influence you like the enemy used to influence you. You may not get rid of some of your human personal stressors, but you don't let have to let the stress make you drink and smoke and drug. Instead, when the stress shows up now, you can pray and fast and praise. Are you listening to me? Your spirituality helps you to carry weight manage pressure chase the vision despite the pull on your life it makes you hope against all hope and stay committed to chasing a god who promised when it's getting really rough in your life you don't have to choose not putting on the new garment because you feel obligated to carry these old scars that you really just want to patch over no you carry your weaknesses you walk with your limp you stutter if you have to while accepting the new possibilities that God unfolds for you. I pray, I pray, I pray that this country doesn't destroy the democracy because of a defective piece of garment that has been exposed. I'm, I'm trying to make sense of it for you. I hope we accept the new garment and every time we look at the old, we thank God he made us more durable than our weaknesses and our fragilities. This democracy works of the people, for the people, by the people. And we can keep wrestling about our differences and distinctions, our biases and beliefs, our practices and our ethics, but we can't do patchwork trying to simply sow advancement on top of leadership ineptness. It won't work. It's facing what won't work and accepting with gratitude what the Lord is doing new. I agree with Charles Whitaker. I'm almost done. I agree with Charles Whitaker when he says Christ's message is crystal clear. When it comes to getting rid of the old man and donning the new one, we cannot mix and match. Successfully mixing them, combining them is as impossible as serving two masters. We just cannot do it. Now here's where I raise a point of contention because I also think that easy answers don't wrestle with tough realities. And tough realities is what Paul confesses when he says, I live so dualistic in my mentality that when I would do good, evil, are y'all listening to me? Evil is always present. Here's his confession. I live every day with the old garment and the new garment. Are y'all listening? So it's not about trashing the old man because in the trashing of the old man, there is personality and passion and thoughts and dreams and ambitions. It can't be trash, but it can be managed. Huh?
I think Jesus implies that instead of taking the unrealistic route of thinking that way, you instead think of new as giving you an invitation to be sanctified in him, including the sanctification of the things I have mentioned and letting the old be used only as interpreted by the new. Do you know you can sanctify your hurts? You can sanctify your pain. Until your suffering can be seen with gratitude because it was your suffering that unearthed your perseverance. Uh huh. That's how you sanctify it. Because every experience you have had is useful and every thought is instructive and every encounter is beneficial. Isn't this what Jesus does for us? He holds our sinfulness and our justification in tension. And we don't have to physically die even though born in sin and shaping in iniquity. Instead, he gives us the new garment of his redemption and then lets us manage the daily crucifixion of our flesh as we pursue a life-given relationship with a grace-given God. Thank God when the old man makes a mistake he says if you confess your sin I'll let you then slide to the other side where your new man can emerge and I'll forgive you of your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Lord help me preach. There's there's this old proverb about the leader of a city who would take daily walks to gain peace of mind and inspiration from nature. This proverb about this leader of a city who would take walks every day to gain peace of mind and inspiration from nature. One day, the burdens of his position had his mind more disturbed than normal, and the old man found himself walking much further than usual. Eventually, he stopped to rest. And as he was regaining his strength, he spotted a great tree which easily towered above all the rest. The tree was a wonder to behold, and it lured the old man to investigate it in more detail. So the man continued to follow the path he was on until he finally is standing underneath this great tree. Its branches spread so wide that the tree could easily have provided shade, he said, for more than 1,000 horses. As the man stood gazing up at the majesty of the tree, he wondered, what kind of tree is this? Its timber must be quite extraordinary. His mind raced with thoughts of how he could impress the people of his village with the story of this tree and all the wealth it would bring the village by cutting it down. But as he continued to study the tree, he noticed that the branches were too gnarled and twisted to be of use for lumber. He took a closer look at the trunk of the tree and he could see where it had been split and damaged many times in the past, thus making it worthless for lumber as well. Then the man exclaimed, this wretched tree completely useless. Why in the world did it ever grow so large? In disgust, the man sits down under the tree, reflects on the tree's worthlessness, and as he sat there in the deep, cool shade of the mighty tree, a slow smile crept across his face. He thought the tree grew to this mighty size because it is useless to those who would have cut it down. 
Its beauty and great shade would not have been if man had found the tree useful. Now, what seems useless to man is exactly the kind of thing that God puts to great use. The old gnarled tree became a great encouragement to the leader, and from that inspiration, he found himself looking for godly value in the people he was leading and not worldly value. As a result, his village was filled with peace, and his village began to prosper. Did y'all hear what I said? This same old tree that he thought at first was worthless, when his mind was transformed and he could appropriate the new garment of his thinking, he could see how if the tree had been perfectly healthy, men would have cut it down to have enough satisfactory lumber to go about their daily lives. But because the tree was ugly to those who passed by it, they left it there. And why was it left there? Because a leader was going to have to perch himself under it and its shade bring to him human refreshment, but also spiritual revelation. I'm done because I know you didn't come to church and I know you're not watching church for me to talk about a tree out in some village, but I know another tree. <laughs> that when you look at that tree, it has some ugliness because it was used for crucifixion and execution but I found my salvation under that same tree because on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross the emblem of suffering and shame but I love that old cross where the dearest and the best for a world of lost sinners was slain so I'll cherish that old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down and I'm gonna cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown to the old rugged cross I will ever be true. It's shame and reproach. Gladly pay. Then he'll call me someday to my home far away where his glory forever I'll share. Have I got a witness here? All I'm trying to tell you is whatever the old is in your life, you don't have to discard it. Let God give you the new and use the new to reinterpret the old. I know you've been through tough times. I know you've had doors slammed in your face, but do you not recognize that if that door had not slammed, you'd have walked into the wrong space. But because that door slammed, because that hurt hit you, because that pain grabbed you, because that mistake tricked you up, it was able to make you press into the presence of Jesus until just like the man, you could look at the cross and say, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away. I'm sorry, y'all, but my soul didn't caught on fire because I grew up listening to so many elementary preachers trying to tell me how to get rid of the old man and accept the new man. And I knew what they meant in terms of conversion and in terms of salvation. But if I can have a moment of revelatory confession, I lived with confusion because I tried to be the best I could. But every now and then, old thoughts crept in and the desire for old activity showed up. 
but just like Paul, I could say thanks be unto God through Jesus Christ, because while I still have some of those old thoughts, they get sanctified when I remember how far the Lord brought me from, and when I think about wanting to go back to some of that old activity, I have to remind myself, but he I can see Jesus as he inches up closer and whispers in my ear. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed. So all I'm trying to tell you is hold it in tension. Manage it in tension. Don't forget who you used to be. But thank God you are not any longer controlled by who you We don't have to tear, we don't have to tear the country apart because we've got infection at the top. No, we just have to accept the new garment. And I don't ever want to forget what my life has been like over these four years of toxicity in governmental leadership. I don't want to forget it. I want to remember it every day. And hold it in tension so that every time I'm tempted to give up on life, I can be reminded that when the country was at its worst, every day when I got up, God was still supplying. Are y'all listening to me in here? God was still supplying, still making a way, sometimes out of no way, because that's the kind of God he is. 
I'm telling you, things are going to be all right. It's, it's going to be all right. My brother, my sister, wherever you are watching us, connecting with us, I want to pray with you the prayer of salvation. Because the only way you can get this new garment in your life is to establish a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I can't imagine, I'll be real honest with you, I can't imagine how you make it through 2020 without a relationship with Christ. It's near to impossible with all the incredulity that is being exposed in our land. But today is your day. This is your time. And every single weekend since the month of March, we have had people, even in virtual space, surrendering and submitting their lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And we want you to, to do the same this weekend. So I want you to pray with me. God, I come in Jesus' name. And I confess that Jesus is Lord. Come into my life and save me. Change me. I want to live new. And I thank you that right now by faith, I accept and receive the free gift of salvation. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for living for me. Thank you for coming back for me. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow. Wow. What a word. What a prophetic, prolific, pastoral word that Dr. Curtis offered to this congregation and to me as his friend and brother. Thank you, Dr. Curtis. Uh, that was a rhema word for such a time as this. He has prayed the prayer of salvation. And if you're watching us on one of our platforms or you're listening to us on the phone and you would love to connect with the St. Paul Church, I would love to be your pastor. These men and women would love to be your brothers and sisters in Christ. We are receiving persons virtually. Check this out. If you decide today to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior on Facebook, type in salvation. When our digital ministers will contact you or email us at connect at spbcnc.org. Someone by five o'clock tomorrow will contact you and let you know what next steps are. If you're already saved and you say, hey, I want to be a part of St. Paul. I'm, I'm impressed with what you all are doing. Guess what? On Facebook, type connect. One of our digital ministers will message you or email us at connect at spbcnc.org. Or you can call us at 704-334-5309. Leave a message and either a phone number or an email address where we can contact you and let you know what the next steps are. Dr. Curtis, again, thank you so very much for this powerful, prolific, prophetic word. It is needed for such a time as this. It is the word in these pandemic times, and it is a word particularly for St. Paul. For, of course, God knows we do not discard the old, but we manage that tension between the old as God is birthing something new. Before we get ready to close, before we get ready to go out again, thank you, St. Paul, for your love, your kindness, your generosity expressed to me and my family. This week is going to be a very busy week for us here at St. Paul as we are the virtual hosts for our state convention this year. 
So starting on tomorrow, starting on tomorrow, we'll be sharing streams from the General Baptist State Convention website and our social media accounts on tomorrow at 10 o'clock in the morning. My sister, Dr. Gina Stewart, will be preaching. Tomorrow night, my good friend and fraternity brother, Dr. John Adolph, will be the evening preacher. You want to check them out. And then also on Tuesday night, it's going to be St. Paul night. As I will be the preacher, our singing ensemble will be blessing us with song. That live stream will start at 6 o'clock. However, if you really want to tap in, just tap in at about 7 o'clock uh, because that's probably when we'll be starting what we're going to be doing. But we want to encourage you to join us. I need your prayers as we sense and seek what the Lord will have for us to do. Our singing ensemble needs your prayers. Our media team need your prayers uh, because this is a full-scale production that we're responsible for bringing to bear. And so our media team is pulling together a lot of things. This is like us trying to do a virtual convention. And our media team is upstairs with screens all open. Um, and they will be managing this. So pray their strength in the Lord this week. Well, I hope you all were blessed by Dr. Curtis. Take that word to heart. We're getting ready to call it a day. And again, we ask particularly... For our disciples to join us on Tuesday night as far as the General Baptist State Convention is concerned. On Wednesday night, Dr. Leonzo Lynch will be doing his address here at St. Paul Church. So pray for him and pray with him. Well, we're getting ready to get out of here. It's been a great day, great word, great worship, great singing. Um, but more importantly, we serve a great God. And the Lord has allowed for me to serve a great people. I love you all. I miss you all immensely. We're one day closer to coming back in. And so we ask that you all will continue to pray for us, that the Lord will give us the wisdom, the insight, the wherewithal to provide the leadership that is necessary as we navigate in these pandemic times. Let us close out in prayer with the benediction. May the grace of God and the communion of God's Holy Spirit Bless, keep, lead, and guide you throughout this week. May the sovereign presence of our God, the personal presence of the Son, the guiding presence of the Holy Spirit be yours now, henceforth, and forevermore. And the people of God said, Amen. St. Paul, I love you. God loves you even more. I look forward to seeing you all soon one day. I'll be praying for you. I ask that you all would do the same for Pierre, Cheris, and me. God bless you all. Love you all. Can't wait to see you all again. Hey, North Carolina. Barack Obama here. So much is at stake in this election. From getting yes, the pandemic under control, to building a fair economy, to taking on climate change, to protecting our health care. You can change our direction on every issue. That's the power of your vote. History shows that the easiest way to make sure that you and your friends vote is to make a plan. And when it comes to voting this year, having a plan has never been more important. So I want to bring in my friend Brandon, who's going to tell us how to make sure our ballots count this year. Brandon, take it away. Thank you, President Obama. Okay, North Carolina, 
This year, you have three easy and convenient ways to cast your ballot and make your voice heard. You can vote early in person, vote by mail, or vote on election day on November 3rd. Voting early in person lets you vote on your schedule. Early voting sites will be open starting October 15th, and you can find yours at IWillVote.com NC. To vote by mail, first go to IWillVote.com NC to request your ballot today. Once you request your ballot, keep an eye on your mailbox. When your ballot arrives, follow the instructions carefully. Don't forget to grab a friend or a family member as your witness and that you both complete the witness section on the return envelope. In North Carolina, you can mail your ballot or drop it off in person. Head here to track your ballot. And of course, you can vote early on election day, Tuesday, November 3rd. Go to IWillVote.com NC to find your polling place. And don't forget, if you're in line by the time polls close, you can still vote. Back to you, President Obama. Whether you vote by mail, vote early and in person, or vote in person on November 3rd, thank you for going to IWillVote.com and doing your part to protect this democracy and change this country for the better. Now get, get out there and vote. Get out there and vote. Yeah, we got to work on that.